Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, again, just like you heard, um, if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, you, you could not have picked a better Sunday to come. Uh, you really couldn't have. And um, I, I just want to say, first and foremost, uh, that we really do see church as a party. Uh, this should be so much fun. Uh, and that's why we like to keep it kind of moody, lighting. You guys feel like you're in a club right now? Like, that's actually on purpose uh, we, because impromptu dancing will happen at any point. No, that's actually a joke. Uh, if we could get the lights up because I want to see these beautiful people. I want to see your faces. Uh, it's going to be, it'll happen because we have the greatest team of all time. Uh, but we, we're actually launching into a series of talks this morning uh, that we are seeing as a kind of a peel away of our vision of like, hey, what happens when you open up these three things that we want to make foundational for us that are loving God, loving life, and living free? Like, like what does it look like for that to actually happen? Like, not just for us to be able to say it, but, but what does it feel like to experience it? And, and so that's really what this whole series is about. And what we're calling it is, this is how we do it. Can I say that again? This is how we do it. See, the lights came on just in time to save you from my dancing. <laughs> this is how we do it. All right, like, not just this is how we say it, love God, love life, and live free, but this is how we do it. Because really, each one of those three foundational things that we feel like God has given us to really live out of, they're, they're, you could say there's kind of a culture inside of them. I mean, have you felt that sometimes it doesn't matter what you say, but it's kind of what you mean when you say it is what people hear? Any married people here? Come on now. It's going to get real. Okay. Have you ever asked your spouse, hey, are we okay? And their response is like, yes. Okay. Yeah, Chris has a perfect marriage. The truth is, is that, is everything okay? No, because there's, there's something that was felt with the words, right? The, the words were pregnant. And so when we say loving God, loving life, and living free, in a way, they need to feel like something. It's not just lip service. These are foundational benchmarks for us that represent how we live. So as we launch into this series of this is how we do it, the, the heart is, is that we wouldn't at the end of this just be able to articulate the fact that we love God, love life, and live free. But our heart is that we would understand what it feels like to live loving God, loving life, and living free. Now I want you to do me a favor because we all know 
that note takers have their prayers answered before those who do not take notes. All right, now relax. All right, some of you, that's a joke, okay? It's a joke. I had, saw a couple eye rolls. I felt that. I felt it. That eye roll was pregnant. It felt something in it, right? Now, that's a joke, right? Now, it's, it's not true. It's just almost true. It's just not really true. It's just kind of true. But we, we've made note-taking so easy for you here at Antioch. We invested in these high-dollar pins that you each got, right? And, and you got that card that we waved in the air just like we just didn't care, right? And it has a note section, Okay, so, and now every other seat has a desk. So you can even pull that desk out. You can even bust your laptop out if you want to. Wow, some of you are like, I did not know that. Welcome. Welcome to Lanier High School. Welcome home. So here's the deal. I want you to take that amazing pen that we spared no expense on. Can you feel the value in it? I want you to take that pen, and I want you to write on the top of whatever sheet of paper you're taking notes on, I want you to write a statement. And here's why this statement is important. Because to understand what it feels like to live a vision, you really need to understand who you are in the vision. To understand what it feels like to live a vision, you really need to understand who you are in that vision. So I want to give you a declaration, a statement an identity statement, if you will, of who you are in this vision of loving God, loving life, and living free. And that statement is this. I want you to write, I am a God chaser. I am a God chaser. Just to keep it 100 with you, I, I think that humanity is amazing at chasing things. I, I, most people would agree that if you want something bad enough, you can get it. Right? Like, if you really want it, if you really want it, and you really focus your chase, you can get it. Almost everyone believes that the issue is not a desire to chase. Where things begin to unravel is that every chase has a built-in coast. Every chase has a built-in temptation to coast. I heard this one time, is that no one wants to shift their life into reverse. But we are willing to go into neutral until we start rolling backwards. The issue is not the chase. The issue is the temptation to shift to a coast. Every chase has a built-in coast. And, and, and so what we want to talk about this morning is that if we're God chasers, we want to be aware of the temptation of the coast in that chase. Because we don't want to find ourselves in neutral. How many of you ever felt stuck? Maybe some of you are here because you feel stuck. Maybe writing that on your paper made you feel funny because you're like, I actually don't know if I am a God chaser. Let me just tell you, if you're here this morning, there's a chase in you. That's why you're here. You might not know exactly why you're here. You might not have used that language to describe why you're here. But the fact is, is that there's a chase in you or you wouldn't have come to church. 
No matter how pretty she is, you would have stayed home. There's a chase. Somebody holler at me, right? There's a chase in you because you're a God chaser. That frustration that we all feel when we feel stuck, when we feel like we're coasting, is because we were never created to coast. Coasting was never supposed to be the equation. We, we were born and created to chase. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Daniel 3. Daniel chapter 3. You know, when you read the book of Daniel, it begins to feel very familiar. Because the book of Daniel is really documenting a time when the people of God had been overrun, they'd been scattered, they'd been exiled, and they were definitely outnumbered. So, so the people of God were finding themselves in what felt like lose-lose situations often. This tension becomes very familiar to us because they were living in a culture where normal was not normal. Can I say that again? Normal was not normal. The culture they were living in was not lining up with the kingdom they were living for. So the normal of the culture was shifting from what was actually created to be normal. Does that tension feel familiar? It should, be because our culture today is normalizing things that are not normal. Okay, without diving into the complexities of all the issues that are facing us today, we can all pretty much agree that it does not take much to demonstrate that unlike any other time, In our nation's history, our culture is more confused, angry, violent, and chaotic than it's ever been before. Normal is not what normal was created to be. Hello, am I talking to anybody? Society is creating for us a normal that's not lining up with the kingdom that we're living in. Four. Let me give you an example. Here's what I mean. Have you ever heard of transracial? This is the thing. Transracial. This is when you're born a race and you are like, actually, I'm not the race I was born. I'm identifying with a different race. Transracial. I want to show you a clip of a young man that USA Today interviewed that identifies as a young Filipino man. Roll the clip. It's a tuk-tuk. Yeah, they use them a lot in the Philippines. Whenever, you know, I'm around, whenever I'm around the music, I'm around the food, I feel like I'm in my own skin. I'd watch the History Channel sometimes for hours, you know, whenever, whenever it came to that. And, you know, nothing else intrigued me more, but, you know, things about, you know, Filipino culture. I think if you're unhappy with who you are and you change yourself for the better and that makes you happy, you know, go for it. But it's, I, I would never say it was a privilege to, you know, be unhappy with yourself all the time. Well, the funny thing is, is 
you know, I had to make sure that it wasn't just me because if it's just me, then there must be something wrong or maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just strange. Uh, so, you know, I created the group in hopes of, you know, getting our message out in a bottle and people started to join. People started to message me about, you know, their conflictions with themselves. I believe that we all have the freedoms to pursue happiness in our own ways. We can pursue, we can pursue, pursue, pursue in intimacy with whatever partner we want. Normal is not normal. Normal is not normal. Culture is more chaotic, confused than it's ever been before in history. The normalization of things that are not normal is the temptation, the coast, and the God chase. We begin to slow our chase to a coast when we begin to say, my normal is culture's normal. That's the temptation. Every compromise we've ever met or every ma ever made, everything that we've ever done that we honestly maybe didn't even really believe, it was all birthed out of a need to be accepted. Right? It, it, there's like this need. There, there's a human need to belong. Right? There's like something in us that needs to be accepted by something. I mean, did you even hear what our friend said? He was like, look, I'm going to start a group because if no one else believes this, maybe I'm just strange, right? There, there's like this need to connect to something else, right? Have you, anybody ever taken a psychology class? Do you guys remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Let me take you to class real quick. Here they are. Five basic human needs that's been identified by science that we need to thrive. Right in the middle, belongingness. There's a human need. You were created to belong. You were created to belong. But if you don't want your chase to slow to a coast, then you need to know who you belong to. If you don't want your chase, the God chase in you, to turn into a coast that eventually leads to rolling backwards, then you need to know who you belong to. If we're searching for something to belong to, then we'll do almost anything to be accepted and belong. But if we know who we belong to, you can say anything you want to say about me. It does not affect the sense of belonging that I carry. Because who I belong to is my security. Confusion on where we belong will 100% of the time shift our chase to a coast. Just like us, living in a culture where normal is not normal, where normal is not lining up with the kingdom that we're living for, so did the people of God in the book of Daniel. Exactly the same type of stuff. They were given so many opportunities to change their chase to a coast. And I want to dive into one of these stories because they found a strength 
that I believe God wants to offer to us this morning. And that is a deep security that you can't attack who I am if I know who I belong to. So let's go Daniel 3. We're going to start in verse number 1. It says this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. And then he summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other providential leaders to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. And so they all came. For the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and stood before them. Verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed. Now, if you're a Bible reader, I want you to tune in to the familiarity of this verse. A herald loudly proclaimed, nations, peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of the gold, the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Does that sound familiar? If you're a Bible reader, does that sound familiar? That Jesus, that every name will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord? Do you see the direct attack on trying to steal true worship with this golden statue? Do you guys see the connection? Let's keep reading. Therefore, excuse me, I, I skipped too far ahead. When you hear it, as soon as you hear it, well, whoever, okay, verse 6, here we go. <laughs> whoever does not fall down in worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn and all those other instruments, one of which doesn't exist anymore, but we'll just call it an electric guitar, the zither, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples and every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And there was a couple God chasers that when they saw everybody bow down and worship this golden statue, they looked at each other and said, our normal is not normal. This should not be happening. If you're new to the Bible, if you're not a Bible reader, then you need to understand something. That there's this dude named Moses. Moses came along, right? And how many of you have heard of Moses? Maybe maybe sang a song about Moses, right? Like, let my people go, right? You there? Okay. So he led the people of God out of captivity in Egypt. They go on this big journey. And it's all a picture of God's ultimate redemption plan that Jesus fulfilled in the earth. Everything that happens in the Old Testament, you're going to hear me say this a million times. Everything that happens in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus and the cross. So there was a group of people that were in bondage. They were slaves. God sent a rescuer, Moses, holler at me. 
Moses delivered them. He took them from their captivity. And he took them to a land that he that God had promised for them to inhabit. To the promised land. And so on their way, they lost their way. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like me. So they end up having to walk around for a long time, 40 years actually. And while they're cruising, God begins to set up the rescue mission in level two. He gives them 10 commandments. And he's like, look, all I'm asking you to do is these 10 things. And he knew that those 10 things were going to reveal that they couldn't do it on their own. And the first, the top of the 10 commandments, it says this. It's amazing. I am the Lord your God. Do not have any strange gods before me. So the God chasers that heard King Nebuchadnezzar say, this big giant golden statue, I'm making this God. They look at it and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Commandment number one, there should be no strange gods before the one true God. And so they do something unprecedented. They said, we're not going to succumb to the pressure of culture. We're not going to slow our God chase to a coast. We're, we're not going to align with the earthly kingdom. We are going to seek the heavenly kingdom. We might be living in this culture, but we live for another culture. And, and so they stood up and they said, no, we're not going to bow down to this strange God, this big giant gold statue and worship him every time we hear the band play. No, we're not going to do that. The king Nebuchadnezzar finds out about this. He's furious, right? He calls for him because these were not just random dudes. These were leaders in Babylon. Probably he appointed them. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Great names, by the way. For all you pregnant ladies in the house, consider. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the, the King Nebuchadnezzar calls them in. Absolutely furious. Man, are you kidding me? You guys, leaders, you have influence, authority, resources. Like, look, you just bow down. Look, right now, if all you do, just bow down and all this will go away. But if you guys don't bow down, I'm going to have to follow through on what I said. He's pressing on their need to belong. Do you see it? He's basically saying, look, all this pressure you're feeling right now can go away. All you got to do is just worship this strange God. You know, if I was them, be honest with you, I would have been like, dude, okay, dude, I'll bow down, but I'm going to not worship your God, right? I think that's when we begin to shift into coast. It's like, well, I'm just going to do it a little bit just so that I can get rid of this pressure, so that I can belong here, that I can exist here, I can keep my job, I can... I can keep my friends. I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. Like, look, I'm just going to slow down just a little bit. I'm still going to chase you when I'm laying down, God, but I'm just, everyone else around me is going to see it. I'm just, I just, look, because, look, coasters look for what's going to make it easy and safe. God chasers know that no matter whatever happens, that their God is with them. And so they look at King Nebuchadnezzar, and this is what they say. Look, we don't need to defend ourselves. This is verse 16. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
if you throw us into this blazing furnace, that God, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, oh my goodness. That this is a statement of a chaser. That even if he doesn't is a statement of a chaser. They're so convinced of who they belong to that their circumstances are not going to affect who he is. Hold up. They are so convinced on who they belong to that they are not waiting for circumstantial breakthrough to prove the existence of the one they serve. They said, even if he doesn't, even if nothing changes, even if I lose everything, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They were unfazed by the fire because they knew who their God was. They knew who they belonged to. The temptation to belong to a culture that they actually didn't live for didn't exist because they knew who they belonged to. This is amazing because I think this is where we slow down. We slow down right here looking at the fire, looking at the furnace. All of a sudden we're like, ah, I don't know about this God chasing thing anymore, man. Like people are going to be offended. Like people are going to get, I don't, I love people, man. I don't want anybody to not feel loved. I want to accept everybody and just like be with everybody. And like, you know, and look, our friends said it best. Our culture is pursuing happiness at any cost. They're, they're trying to, to fulfill a satisfaction that was hardwired in them to only be filled by God. So they're chasing after things that will not satisfy. I want you to see what happens because what's amazing to me is that when you understand that you belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when you understand that you belong to the one at the mention of his name, everything and everyone must bow to the name of Jesus. Every, everything must bow to him. When you know you belong to him, the flames are not intimidating. The heat is not overwhelming. Because your sense of belonging is not in question. If you know who you belong to, you can walk through anything that's coming at you. If you know who you belong to, you can walk through anything that is coming at you. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were then tied up by King Nebuchadnezzar and thrown into that fiery furnace that was so hot that it killed the people that threw them in. They were thrown in. God didn't rescue them before. God didn't step in and say, don't throw them in. That was my best Gandalf voice. You shall not throw them in. 
were thrown in the fire. They were thrown in the fire. And then King Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire. And he's like, whoa! Didn't we put three dudes in there? Because there's four guys in there and they're just walking around. And he's like, hold up! Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is that you? If it's you, come out. And so they came out. They walked out of the fire. Check this out. People came around them. It says in verse 27, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor their hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. Check out what King Nebuchadnezzar said. This was a guy who created a statue to declare his own God and demanded that everyone worship that God. He said, praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trust in him and defy the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut up into pieces. Wow! Wow! I mean, that's like a change, okay? And then their whole houses would be burned and turned into rubble. And no other God can save in the way that their God saves. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. The destiny of God chasers is to be a culture shaper. The destiny of a God chaser is to be a culture shaper. We're not to be shaped by culture. We're to shape culture. And so we're God chasers. That's who you are. You're a God chaser. You're not going to be overwhelmed by the temptation to coast because culture is not going to affect you because this is a generation of Shadrach, Meshachs, and Abednegoes. Those are going to stand up in peaceful protest and say, you know what? I know who I belong to, and this culture is not the culture that I'm living for, and so I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to worship the strange God. I'm not going to bow down to the idols of the day. I'm going to say, I will bend my knee to the one true God, the God who will save me, the God that will provide for me, the God who is going to step in the gap for me. I'm going to believe in him and him alone. This is, this is what a God chaser does. God chasers fight the temptation to coast by an unwavering conviction that they've been chased. God chasers fight the temptation to coast with an unwavering belief and understanding that they've been chased. There's a story that Jesus tells that demonstrates the amazing chasing nature of the God that we serve. In Matthew, he tells a story of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and he lost one. And Jesus says, you know what the kingdom of heaven is like? The kingdom of heaven is like the shepherd that leaves the 99 to chase after the one. We chase because we've been chased. And we keep chasing because our destiny is not to be shaped by culture, but to shape culture. Listen to me, church. Don't believe that culture is too far gone. Don't believe that it's too dark. Don't believe the lie that we have to change what the Bible says so that we're more palatable. 
We need Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand up and to say, I'm a God chaser. I'm not going to worship any strange God. And you know what happens when we stand up? God meets us in the fire. Look, oftentimes we don't cross over from being a God chaser to a culture shaper because where was Jesus? He was in the fire. Four of them were in the fire. Only three of them came out. That means that Jesus is still in there. He's still, we, if you want to have better revelation of what it means to chase God, you might need to understand the fire you're in right now. It's not that God has left you. The fire is so that he can meet you. Because you are in a fire. You're with a God in the fire. You're with a God that is in the fire. He is in the fire with you. And he is going to protect you, provide for you, and he's going to rescue you. And you can have confidence because of who you belong to. You can stand up and say, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I don't care what's going to happen to me because I know who I belong to. You cannot take anything away from a man who needs nothing. Can I say that again? You, don't, you can't take anything away from a man who needs nothing. Who do you belong to? Your chase is going to be fueled by your understanding that you belong to Jesus and that he's chased you. So I just need to know this one question. Where are my God chasers at? Hold on. Seriously, seriously. Where are my God chasers at? If you're a God chaser, I want you to stand to your feet in peaceful protest, saying, I will not serve any strange God because my God is a roaring lion.